All right, so we're, we're uh, in Matthew uh, 6 today, and what we're doing, this is our, the next part of our, uh, wow, I didn't show up in mine, um, we're, this is the next installment of our Inside Out Living Sermon Series. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount in this series, and what we're talking about is this idea that, that a great deal of what um, Christ is teaching in, in this sermon um, relates to how we are on the inside and how it manifests on the outside, because it's really easy Right? It's really easy to take our outside and make our outside look good, but stay rotten on the inside. Um, and, and so we're talking about this shift where we change our hearts and everything else follows. Does that make sense? Um, and, and so, uh, because there's sort of this attitude, well, you know, in order to be a Christian, I've got to try really hard to be good. And in reality, it's not about trying really hard to be good. It's about becoming a different person, and you're naturally good as a result. Um, and, and specifically, this is actually, it says Matthew 5, 19 to 7, 12. We're not doing that whole thing. So some of you guys are looking and like, oh my gosh, he's going to preach on two chapters. Um, it's it's going to be a little shorter than that. I, I decided to narrow it down and focus it a little. So this will be part one, and next week will be part two. Um, so focus. How many of you guys um, went to school at some point? Hey, you didn't go to school. I know you didn't. <laughs> Anderson's. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, when I was a kid and I and I did school, I was a very poor student. I know it's a shock. Like like I I uh, I had a point in time, probably about my junior high era. Is it junior high in Montana? Okay, so when I was in, how would you guys? I mean, you didn't go to school either. Um, <laughs> about about the time I hit junior high, I I went from being sort of a decent student to being a really poor student. And that ran all the way through high school and college. Um, and I'm getting heckled over there. Um, and, and really what happened was, and I can sort of pinpoint it, when I, was, when I was younger and I would do homework or I would study, I did my homework and I studied, you know, at the kitchen table, right? And, and sometimes with a parent sitting over me making sure I actually did it. I, 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 and, and there was a point in time where... Um, um, my dad went away for a year for military stuff, and, and I, you know, I, I sort of did my homework when I did my homework, which usually involved the television, the headphones, and possibly another book sitting next to me. Does anybody else do that? Any, am I the only like teenager who ever like had every media source in the house on at the same time while I was trying to do homework? Guess guess how that affected really? <laughs> guess how that affected my, my homework? Did it did it stay good? Not so much. It, it depleted really quickly. And, and a big part of the reason was was I already have about a four and a half second attention span. Um, and and instead of remaining focused, I was doing ten different things. And so what should have been the primary focus became the seventh level focus. And what was on TV, or what was going on over here, or on the phone, maybe. Like, like these things began to take precedence. Um, and I, I progressively got to be a worse and worse and worse and worse student until, um, until I got to college, and, and I did finish, which is good. And now as an adult, like I, I'm finishing seminary in a few weeks. Have I mentioned that recently? Um, <laughs> I, I've done very well, but I've done very well because I've, I've sort of figured out that if I've got five or six things going on at once, I'm not going to do anything worth doing. Does that make sense? Because anything that distracts me off my focus decreases the quality of my output. Um, 
And, and there are a couple other like examples I can point to. I, I was reading about this experiment that was done with soldiers. Experimenting on soldiers, it's unheard of. Um, where, where they had them go out and run. And they had these Marines go out and run. And they, they did different things with them. Where, where one day they would say, okay, we're going to run from here to there. Go. And they'd have them run you know, a, a designated distance. right? And then other days they would say, well, run until you can't run anymore. And they would send them out running. And they would just run. And they, they would run, 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 run. Who ran further? Any guesses? The guys with the designated distance or the guys who just sort of ran? The guys who had a designated distance actually ran further, faster, because they had a goal in mind. The guys who ran without a goal, they, they ran about 30% shorter runs because they didn't have anywhere they were going. They would run, they'd be like, okay, well, I can't run anymore, I'm done. You know, when the day previous, they ran further. Why? Because the goal changes us, right? That focus changes us. Um, my, my last example, I got three, and these will come up again. Um, we used to have a, a dog. Well, we have several dogs now, but we used to have this dog. She was part Dalmatian, um, and she was fast, right? I mean, she was the fastest dog I've ever owned. And, and like, if we took her collar off, she could run out in the yard and catch birds in midair. Like, they would hear her coming, and as soon as they knew they, she was coming, she was on them, and she just snatched them out of the air. It was unreal. I had another dog who was about as fast as her. He would run out, and he would see three or four birds, and he would zigzag. <laughs> Why? Because he's trying to catch all of them. <laughs> and he was significantly less successful. There's that saying, right? The man who chases two rabbits has what for dinner? Nothing. <laughs> um, the idea here is focus, right? And as we move into chapter six, the latter half of chapter six here, um, we're going to be looking at this idea of focus. Because, like in the preceding chapters, we've talked about things like um, changing your heart so the outside will reflect it, right? Um, and, and last week, we talked about this idea. Um, we finished on this. Um, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Um, the way this finished out last week's sermon, um, um, we talked about this, how like... like um, you know, the way we live transitions into transitions into this, right? Like we want to live so that we're we're focusing on God, so we're investing in our relationship with God, right? And Jesus ends it with, ends the previous section of the sermon with this, where where investment in life needs to be invested in something that lasts, and that's investing in a relationship with Christ, right? Because you get to heaven, the streets are paved with gold and everything else. What what worth is gold? Well, not very much, right? There's nothing to spend it on. There's, there's only God. Like, God is the treasure of heaven. And so when Jesus is talking about this idea of investing in heaven, he's talking about investing in your relationship with God. Um, and so that's the end of the one, and it's the beginning of the next section where, where this passage is kind of a transition. Um, if I'm focusing on where I'm storing my wealth, I'm not trying to get both. Does that make sense? Um, there are people who are not me, <coughs> who can like, do magic with their money. Any of you guys ever know someone like this? They say, well, I'm going to pay off my house in five years, and they're like able to eat nothing, and they don't have a TV, and they, you know, they don't do anything fun. They just sort of live to make money, and they pay down their debt, and it's just gone. That's, that's not me. I'm chasing three or four rabbits. That's, I'm the guy with nothing to dinner and, and a house payment. Um, 
they're able to do that because they say, this is what's important, this is what I'm going to do, right? Um, in this sense, as Jesus starts this next section, this next section is talking about this idea of where we're investing ourselves, what we're focusing on. And, and as a starting point, it's treasures in heaven, right? What really matters? The stuff that's going to disappear today? You know, the stuff that I'm going to have for a little while and it'll be gone? Or the stuff that's going to last for eternity? Well, focus on the stuff that's going to last forever. Because the more of that you have, the more wealth you'll have in the long run. Make sense? Everybody with me? Um, the recap. So intimacy with God is the purpose of religious observance. That was last week. When I observe my faith, I do it to have intimacy with God. Uh, it begins in the heart, manifesting the life. This is what an authentic Christianity is. So we're going to move on. This is Matthew 6, 22 to 24. This is a tough passage. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Um, so what he's talking about here, this is a tough passage, right? This is one that I usually would read and like skip over. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's he talking about? Eyes and lamps and... Um, so I'm going to get a little like, like abstract here. Think, think brain, right? Everything your eye looks at and picks out is important, feeds into your brain and into your heart, and this is what you're focused on, right? When I was um, 16 years old, it was um, the cute blonde girl that lived down the street and the car I wanted. And this is what I focused on, right? Did anybody else do this? Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> when, when I first got out of college, my first focus was job and Jessica, right? These were the two big things that I focused on and that was the most important thing in the entire world was these things, right? Now, when I was in high school, I never got that girl to even look twice at me. And the car I wanted ended up being not the car I got. Um, and so, like, like, there's this degree to which, because my eye had a certain thing that I was focusing on, what I got wasn't as good as what I wanted. And so what did I say? Well, man, the girl doesn't like me, and I'm driving an old man car. You know, what the heck? Um, and it goes on. Like, we, we can trace this through life, where people will look and say, this is what is really important, this is what I really want, and get it or don't get it, um, happiness and unhappiness follows. Everybody with me? Anybody do this? You know, man, I really wish I could afford a new Ferrari, <coughs> but I can't. And actually driving in Montana would be pointless anyway. She hit the gravel and it would scrape. And, um, that's true. Um, <laughs> I, so around here would be, man, I want that new power stroke. Or I don't even know what that is. But I hear about it a lot, so it's probably good. <laughs> or, man, I want that new, you know. Or, man, I really wish I had the prettiest girl in the room to date me. Or, man, you know, I'm married to her, so you're all out of luck. Um, Oh, she's not even here to hear it. <laughs> but these things, when they become our focus, they draw our focus away from what God has designed us to make our primary focus, right? Like, God's intent in our lives is for Him to be our primary focus. The primary, like, like this should be the singular target that I aim my life at, 
is my intimacy with God or my discipleship so I grow more intimate with Him, right? But if I'm looking at which car I can afford, right? And why don't I have Dwayne's car, his, his uh, uh, Mustang? Why don't I have that car? How can I get that car? You know, if that's my primary focus, my discipleship isn't the primary, right? When that becomes the secondary focus, um, my heart gets darker, right? Um, and, and actually, Jesus is nice enough to provide some examples of this um, as we move on. Well, darkness that he's talking about is materialism, right? The light is focused on Christ. When we properly focus our lives and our eyes are right, um, our focus is on God. And we don't complain, oh, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. Uh, Matthew 6.25, if you've got a Bible in front of you, follow along. Uh, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor uh, for your body as to what you will put on. If is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You are not, are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They, are not, they do not toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, um, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how, or will he not more, much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. We're going to come back to that in a second. First off, this doesn't mean we shouldn't work, right? He's not saying, hey, you know what? God clothes the grass of the field, he feeds the birds, hang out, someone will feed you. Right? That's not what he's saying. Um, unless you're a teenager and that's the natural teenager interpretation. Someone's going to feed me, it's okay. Um, but that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, don't work. He's not saying, hey, don't plan. He's saying, uh, remain focused on God. Um, uh, here, here's, here's the way this plays out. Anybody know anybody that, like, any of y'all know folks or happen to be a person who the primary worry is, how's the money going to work out? Um, how's the crops going to turn out this year? Um, how am I going to get my kids through college? How am I going to... And, and instead of, you know, like, plan and work, which is okay, it steps into obsess and worry. It's easy to do, isn't it? In fact, it's an easy place to live, where you live your whole life looking and saying, oh, how am I going to do this? Um, and actually, in America, though, we don't have a scarcity mindset as much, right? Because we tend to have whatever we want. You just get a credit card and worry about it later. Um, we live in the other direction, where it's, hey, look at how much stuff I can gather up. You know, so it's not, what will I wear? It's, hey, what am I going to buy to wear? And then that becomes this focus. It becomes this draw away from Christ. Um, and instead of focusing on that, that one thing that's important, our eyes begin looking and saying, ooh, I could have that. I actually was getting into the video clip, but I decided against it. Have you guys seen that movie, Up? Oh, one of my favorite parts is when they get the dog. They meet the dog, and the dog's got this collar that lets him speak. And, and they're like, what's your name? And he tells them her name, his name, and... He's like, wow, that's awesome. You can talk, you know? And they start having a conversation with him. And the dog's like, oh, you should meet my master. He's the best in a squirrel. <laughs> and he, like, completely loses his train of thought. And, like, just what? We end up in that spot. Like, if we allow our eyes to become uh, dark, focused on the things of the world, 
where it's like, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I, I want to be close to you. Jesus, I want this. Jesus, you know, I, it's all about you. Ooh, the new cars are out. Those are nice. Or, you know, God, how do I, how do I abstain from sin? How do I get my life in order? How do I, hey, new TV show. Um, the scarcity mindset goes in the other direction. You know, God, I, I love you so, man, how am I going to pay the bills? It draws us away. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Um, or why can't I have a better one of these? Why does everybody have a better one of these than me? Or why, why is it not working out the way I want it to? Like, we begin to balance these things out, and our eyes draw away from Christ. Um, which, if Christ is the treasure of heaven, right? If Christ is the one valuable thing worth having, but I spent all my time looking at my neighbor's house, car, family, everything else, and figuring out how I can have a better one, how dark is my life going to get? It's actually a really dark place to live. Our culture, actually our economy, and I'm not knocking on this, it's just the truth, like, it's set up on a, on a, on a dissatisfaction scale, right? Um, I, I like my junky 20-year-old Ford Taurus, right? But if I think about it long enough and I watch the commercials enough, eventually I'm going to figure out I shouldn't be happy with my junky Ford Taurus. And I should want, what should I want? I don't know. Anybody know what I should want? A truck. A truck? <laughs> uh, yeah, I own a truck, apparently. A, a Ranger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see exactly how that is, right? Like, then I think, well, maybe I should have a better truck. Because <laughs> the neighbors don't think it's a real truck. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's called a Chevy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it give me more chances to repair and frag. Um... <laughs> Do you guys follow me? Like, dissatisfaction is darkness. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing in this world that can fill the spot God is supposed to fill. Right? And if you try to fill it with something else, all you're going to do is make a deeper hole. You say, well, I really love to make Jesus the middle, but money is going to be the middle. And I'll throw money into that hole. And it just gets deeper. Primary focus in life is Christ. This is what he's calling us to. He says, don't worry. He says, don't worry, because worrying distracts us from Jesus. It's the squirrel over there that I'm trying not to look at. There's actually no squirrel over there. Um, <laughs> I didn't look. Um, do not worry then saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing for the Gentiles? Eagerly seek after these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Um, and isn't it the truth? How many of y'all spent a day or two worrying about tomorrow? And there was plenty to worry about today. But you were borrowing that trouble because you didn't have quite enough going on today. You know, and I'll worry about tomorrow again tomorrow. It doesn't really make sense. It's not planned. You know, it's not planning is evil. It's not working is evil. It's worry. Not trusting that God will take care of you. Um, Matthew 7, 1 to 5. Uh, do not judge. Anybody good at this? Everybody who's not good at this, like, anybody gossip quite a bit? Because I'm telling you, these are right in line. 
I'm going to say it up front. Like these are the parallels. Um, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of your measure, um, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not look at the log that is in your own eye? How can you, how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then, you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Um, there are some folks, you know, we start out with money, but then moral judgment is the center of a lot of people's lives, right? It becomes the core of our spiritual existence sometimes. Um, when that becomes the case, instead of running for the target, which is intimacy with Jesus, we run for better than you. Isn't it the truth? Yeah. Well, you know what? I may not be praying much, but let me tell you all the people who aren't in church this morning. I made it. Well, if I just have to run further than that guy, it's not like I'm being chased by a bear, right? <laughs> just have to run faster than you. Um, but there are folks who end up in that spot where it's not about intimacy with God. It's about better than you. Where, and he uses hypocrite again, right? We talked about this last week. Hypocrite is the Greek word for actor, right? Um, you're a hypocrite if you walk around, and he, this is a bit of a joke, right? It's like I got this log sticking out of my face, and I'm looking at the neighbor like, hey, you got something in your eye there, buddy. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, 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 absurd. Wow, that almost came out wrong. Um, <laughs> it, it's absurd to think like, oh, well, I got this thing really wrong, but I'm going to give you grief. It's like me picking on my wife all the time. Like, I, I pick on her so much, and most of the stuff I pick on her about, I'm worse than her. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm picking on her right now that she teases me too much, and, I mean, come on. <laughs> but it's, it's hypocritical. It's silly. Um, if, if judgment um, becomes the focus of our walk, we're distracted. It's a squirrel over there. We're chasing... Um, Chasing two things at once and not the thing that matters. Um, he says, listen, you'll be judged by the same measure that you judge other people. So if I look at other people and I say, you know what? Who am I going to pick on? Daniel back there. Daniel back there, you know, he he swears too much. You know, and if I make it a point to tell everybody that he swears too much, guess what happens the first time I say the wrong word? Oh, him. I, uh, my favorite is when you see these TV evangelists. Actually, it's not my favorite. I cringe every time it happens because it makes the whole church look bad. But you see these TV evangelists who will stand up and talk about adultery or, or, or cheating on your wife or being sexually immoral or whatever, and then the next day they get caught doing it. <laughs> wow, really? And it's not as though they're preaching avoid it. They're preaching everybody like that is going to hell. And then they get caught doing the same thing, right? And that measuring rod comes out and says, you know what? That's you. The reality is that um, if we treat other people as a target, you guys use targets, right? What do you use targets for? To shoot at, right? <laughs> to aim at and shoot at. I'm sure this is Montana. You guys know about shooting, right? <laughs> it's something you do with guns. I'm just saying. I'm like, you should look into it. Um, <laughs> if we look at other people and we see them as targets, um, we got a problem because that's judgment. The real value we can find in other folks' sin, and, and hear me say this, it's a big deal, right? If I look at somebody else's sin, and I see their sin, the very first question I should ask is, is there a mirror here? Is this me? Um, I, 
I, I used to do it when I would do addictions therapy in large groups. Um, afterwards, you'd get these guys who'd come up and they'd say, yeah, when so-and-so was talking, I realized he sounded dumb, and I do the same thing. And so i got to clean up my own mess. It, the most valuable thing you can find in other people's sin is an opportunity to reflect on yourself. Um, why? Because ultimately, unless I'm perfect, unless I'm hitting this point where my intimacy with God is at the maximum that it can possibly be, i got work to do. Am I going to get more work done watching him and saying, man, you suck at your job, or you're no good at your job, sorry. Oh, no, I, I didn't condemn anyone for bad language anyway. <laughs> um, if I'm looking over here and not working on my own sin, am I going to get my business done? Well, no. Do not judge lest you be judged by the same measure. It's about learning to focus on yourself, learning to focus on being intimate with God, dealing with your own business, because this needs to be the primary focus of our spiritual life. It is the target of, of, of our spiritual you know, walk with God. Um, Matthew 6, 6, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under feet, and they will turn and tear you to pieces. This is actually a bit of poetry, which is really funny that Jews, or Hebrews, ancient Hebrews did that. It's called a chiasm. So it's, do not give to dogs, do not give to pigs, and then pigs trample under feet, and the word that's there, tear you to pieces, is maul, right? So pigs will trample, and the dogs will maul you, right? So don't take the important stuff that you have and give it to pigs. Don't give it to dogs, because the pigs will step on it, and the dogs will tear you up. Um, what's he talking about? Well, it's sort of a funny thing reading commentaries and studying this passage. Just about every commentary agreed on the same thing. It's attached to the previous verses, but we don't know what it means. Um, and there are a lot of suggestions. I'm going to offer my take on it, okay? Um, it starts out with, or this, this previous thing is don't look at other people and judge them. Now, have any of you guys ever walked up to somebody who was, you know, approached somebody who was doing wrong and called them out on it and then just had them, you know, say, first off, I don't care what your opinion is. Second off, you know, you're ten times worse than me. Or, you know, well, why are you going to moralize over my life? You know, you're a hypocrite and awful. You know, if it's not happening to you personally, turn the TV on and watch for a little while. Like, the church gets savage over this stuff, don't they? Because we have TV evangelists who say, everybody who, you know, watches, um, you know, bad movies or sinful, like, like adult films is going to go to hell and then they get caught doing the same business, right? Like, like we have this hypocrisy in our midst. And part of what he's talking about here is, listen, if you're going to call out other folks and expect that this, this sinful person is going to pay attention to you and your own business ain't straight, understand First off, they're going to ignore every word you say, and then they're going to call you out for your hypocrisy. <coughs> Isn't it the truth? Um, this is always something I, I would see with teenagers, where teenagers will say, you're not being honest with me, and we'll say, wait a minute, what about what you're doing? You're not being respectful of me, well, look at how you're talking to me. You know, like, like, like where it's just right there, and they can't see their own business because they're so busy pointing at you. Sorry, teenagers, I'm picking on you a lot today. Um, another way this can come out is, um, let's say I have a problem with Michael. I don't. Me in the parking lot after. <laughs> um, if I have a problem with Michael, and, and in a very public setting, like in front of the church, I were to call him out on it, right? Um, us having conflict in front of the world 
going to make the world look at Jesus any better, is it? Probably not. And Christians do this, right? We fight very publicly. I went to a church that had four, four splits while we were there. Nine years I worked at that church, and we had four splits. And one thing the community knew was that this was not a place to go to church because these people fought with each other all the time. And we did it publicly because we would gossip about it to our neighbors, and they all knew to stay away because we were all nasty and unpleasant. Like, it's funny, I stopped working there, and I had people who would talk to me about the fights at that church, like who never went to our church and I never met before, but they would ask me about it six years later was the last time it happened. Why? Because the world knows, the world is listening, and they're going to tear us up if we're fighting in front of them. Um, because our focus, when it shifts away from Christ, um, the world knows it, don't they? All of our sin, all of our dissatisfaction, all of our shortfall, all of our misery, every bit of mess that we bring into life comes out of a break from focusing on Jesus. It's there first. Because we're chasing two birds and we're catching nothing. Because instead of like reading our scriptures, we're listening to the world. I should really just advance every time I finish reading a passage because I always have like the notes and I can just read off the notes and it'd be shorter. Um, um, how does this apply? Well, um, I'm going to end kind of with this challenge. Okay, what do we do with this? Ask yourself, what am I spending most of my time on? What am I worrying about? Um, what's the most important thing in my life? What are the things that I, I um, put in God's place? If there are a whole mess of things that you're putting in God's place, if there's a whole pile of stuff that isn't Jesus, that is the primary focus, you need to back up and reevaluate. Now you might say, well, I focus on my family. I love my family. Well, you know what? I love Jesus, and I, my love for my family is a subset of my love for Jesus. I work hard at my job. Well, I work hard at my job to glorify God. Even when I, when I worked in a kitchen and I washed dishes, I washed dishes to glorify God. I wanted the people around me to look and say, that's the guy I want to be like because he's busting his, his backside. See, I watched my language that time. Um, <laughs> I'm like Michael. No. <laughs> the, I, I want people to look at me and say, I want to be like that guy. And what I want them to see is Jesus, right? So what are the things you're chasing after? What's, what's breaking your focus away from Christ? Dig in and Dig it out and throw it away. Because there's nothing in the world that compares to Christ. There's nothing that, that even comes close to what that intimacy with Him. It's a treasure that we can accumulate and that will last forever and ever and ever. Um, there's a, the, that saying that the streets of gold are, or the streets of heaven are paved with gold, right? Why do, they, why do they say that? Some people, the natural assumption is because. Um, heaven is so awesome that they have gold in the streets. It's actually, what do we pave the streets with? Asphalt. Asphalt, right? Concrete. Dirt in some places. I guess it's not paved then. Is that because it's valuable? No. It's because it's worthless. Like, like, the proper read on this, heaven is made out of worthless things because the most worthwhile thing is there. And as we focus on, how am I going to pay my bills? How bad is Brooke doing today? He's picking on the pastor. How mean is Eric's wife being to him? How this, how that, and I start piling up all my judgments. I'm not focusing on the things that really matter. And that's intimacy with Christ. We're going to close in prayer. I think we have one more song.
last song. Is that somebody here? Sorry. Sam Brooke gets up faster. <laughs> He's the last one to his instrument. 